Welcome back, everybody, to episode 55 of The Baby Mamas. Again, sorry, it's been so few and far between. I said that we were going to stop apologizing, but I feel like there's been quite a gap here. So uh, we do try. We definitely do try. But that's it. We're going to leave it at that. But we're going to start off. We have an update from Alex and Aaron, which I'm so excited about, and I feel bad because... They sent it to us, and I didn't know that they sent it to us for the longest time, so this is back from February. Uh, I'll play it right now, and then we'll discuss it. We're only like six or seven weeks after they gave it to us. That's not a big deal. Uh, So yes, ladies, we're sorry for the delay. Here they are. Hi, ladies. It's Erin and Alex. Uh, I'm sorry we've been MIA, but we've had quite a bumpy few months. Chanel's still not fucking pregnant. Still not fucking pregnant. Um, I think in our last recording we mentioned that we're going back to Phnom Penh to try for number three. So before going to Phnom Penh, um, Erin met up. Erin and I met up in Bangkok where she did a full one of those like full body scans, which um, is just like a series of tests, like head to toe. I basically wanted to know before I went to get pregnant, like if I was healthy, and I've always like wanted to do one of these to see if I had like hidden cancer or something. So I did one. We spent like all day in there doing every single test you can think of. It was pretty great. Yeah, it was a great day. <laughs> so yeah, so it's pretty. Everything came out normal. Um, every time I get, I got an ultrasound. The you know technician always was like, "Oh, you have a fibroid." I'm like, "Yes, I know." You have this lump. Yes, I know. And, and you so, had that operation in January as well. Yeah. So like we knew we like we knew I had one. So the ladies again. So like, oh, you have fibroid. It's two centimeters. I'm like, yes, I know. So we didn't think of anything of it, mm-hmm. and we just went to Pen on Pen. Super yep. excited to do the third transfer. And we got to the clinic and met with the doctor. We we had like we went the day before the transfer because again we had just finished the second transfer a few months ago and. I don't know, we just kind of wanted to face-to-face with the doctor just to see why, like, why weren't we getting pregnant? Um, like we said before, we had, like, the 80% chance or whatever, and, and I still didn't conceive, so we met with him, and he's like, oh, you're so healthy, you look great. I'm like, oh, I know, I just got this health exam, and I was, like, bragging about how healthy I was, and I'm like, yeah, and my, the the tumor, or the fibroid's, like, two centimeters, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's how big? I'm like, it's two centimeters. He's like, no, like how, and he kept like asking me, like millimeters? I was like, no centimeters. And he's like, oh, okay. So we went and um, have an ultrasound again just to make sure, you know, my lining was right, etc. And he like goes quiet and he just starts like keeps looking at the screen, looking at the screen. It's like not responding to either of our jokes or like conversation. And he's like, yeah, you're, the fibroid's grown. We're like, oh. He's like, yeah, it's too big. I can't do the transfer. And we're like, wait, what? No, the transfer's tomorrow. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We, you've known about these fibroids. Like, you've known it was there. No, 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 no. Like, no, we're not. 
what? No. He's like, you have to have him removed. And we're like, and then I just start crying and completely lose it. So Alex was strong and kind of took over. Yeah, I mean, because as we said, like in February, Erin had had this operation to remove him, and the Thai doctor then had said, you're probably going to have issues, you should get them removed. And our IVF doctor had said, no, 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 it's fine. The Thai surgeons just love putting everyone under and chopping everything out, so don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. So I was just really pissed off at him that he hadn't followed it through properly, and every single time we'd done IVF, We'd asked him, do you think this is a factor? And he said, no. So every time that Aaron had done another ultrasound, and given it being in like, I don't know, every single country. I know. I've been mean, in like so many different countries doing the ultrasounds just because of how your work is. Right. But it's not on the technician. Right, and that's the thing. Your, like it, yeah, your constant doctor had been our IVF doctor, who should have, I feel like, should have specifically asked for a screenshot that looked at the angle to make sure that he was still happy with it, which he hadn't really done. He was relying on just the technician, and he doesn't know your background or anything. Plus, you know, you're in different countries. You probably don't even speak the same language to understand each other. So anyway, like, I was super mad at him, and um, he just kept trying to draw more diagrams and explain it to me, and I just kept saying back at him, well, this is your fault. You should have monitored this. Why are we all the way over in Cambodia? again on try number three and we're just finding this out the day before our transfer you know like the emotional um like baggage has been to get ourselves over there financially and like you with your time off and everything i was just super super pissed off because then because he was saying yeah because he was saying that we it's like to have it removed we're like okay fine we'll have it removed no no problem he's like yeah it could take up and we're like how long do we have to wait? Like, do we have to? We'll get it done mm-hmm. this week. Then, then we can come back in two weeks and get it, do the transfer. And he's like, Oh no, no, no! It could be from six months to a year before you can have another transfer. And that's when I freaking lost it. Yeah, that's when I like gave up. Because there's been so many delays anyway um, in the I, clinic. Yeah, and I was like, I'm too old. I was like, bawling. I'm like, I'm going to be 38. I can't do it then. I don't want to start a family. And he's like, I know women who are 40. I'm like, that's not the freaking yeah, point. Stop I, talking. I, I don't, I personally don't want just to be a, I mean, I don't mind being a 40-year-old mother, but I'm just like, I don't want to put my body through that. My aunt did it, and it's hard. Like, I really wanted to be a younger mom. I just wanted to. Well, we're also trying this now because we want to get pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Our mindset is now. Great. So we started chatting to my mom, who's a nurse in Australia, who was really, really practical and said, go chat to the other IVF clinic that's in Phnom Penh. There's only two. So we did. We ran down to them and had a chat with the, like, the lead... Um, technician or whatever they're called and um, her advice was to go for it now bearing in mind their clinic has sort of a um, try to yeah (laughs) do it's like one of the try to you have a baby like try until you have a heartbeat so no it's the same cost for as many goes as you as it takes takes. until you get a heartbeat right so they've got a different you know mission but also they don't know our background of like coming all the way over from Bangladesh and things like that but it was, you know, a bit confronting to have, like, we've got two opposing uh, opinions here. You know, yeah. our doctor's saying, nope, you got to go have, like, surgery now, whereas this doctor's like, no, I would have gone for it. So yeah. we were standing at the front of the clinic trying to debate this, and I was, like, calling our doctor again, and I was just going around and around circles with him saying, like, well, you're here, you know, 
Uh, the embryos defrosted because that was the other thing I was worried mm. about. Like these idiots had just defrosted and forgot to like put them back in or something. And like, we don't want to waste embryos. Should we just go for it now? And then if it doesn't work, then then we'll have the operation. Yeah. So we but, just. But they didn't defrost the embryos. They so didn't. Yeah. It was fine. Well, at least they didn't tell us anyway. <laughs> Next surprise. Um, anyway, but I'd already booked tickets to Bangkok, and we decided that we'll just go for it. Um, we won't, because our doctor just convinced us, he was just pleading with us, of just don't waste the embryos. Yeah, so we said, fine. So we just hopped on a plane, went straight to Bangkok. The next morning, you met with the IVF. So there's a really good hospital there. Oh, yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Alex had knee surgery there. It's a really, really good hospital. Best yeah. I've ever seen in the world. Like, I mean, okay, as best I can see in comparison to the States, like, way better. And the level of care oh, is yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So they have IVF surgeons. So we did a we were doing research and like went through all their backgrounds. There's all this information you can get on their website. So we're going through and identifying who is the best top IVF surgeon. Yep. Um, and we found one and we called or Alex called and was able to get me a stand what do you call it? A standby appointment that mm -hmm. next morning at eight o'clock. Yep. So book tickets and decided to, to go for that option. Yeah, and his opinion was, well, he was sort of the middle ground, but he was yeah. kind of like, it might affect, it may not. I've seen women that have had um, growths like this before that have been bigger and they've still conceived, but. Because of the placement of mine. Yes, it correct. Was, it, it was, was right. It was like right where the. In the hot spot. Right in the hot spot, like right where the, what do you call it, the embryo implants. So it was taking, so it was, it would decrease my chances by 50%. Because of the placement of the of the, yeah. of the fibroids, so that's once he said that, that kind of sold me on it. I'm like, that's it, fuck it, let's just go. We're here, let's just get it done. Yeah, and then we can try and move forward. And as Erin said, <clears throat> we made sure that we had the best surgeon we could possibly get who had the IVF background because he is understanding that we just want to have a baby. So it's not about just getting in there and removing it. It's about removing it in the most delicate, safest manner possible to not upset your uterus so that we could at least try again as soon as possible. Right. And he was saying it could be, if, it, if the surgery went very, very well, like perfectly, then it would be three months. Mm -hmm. If it was okay, then six months. Worse would be a year and then very badly would be couldn't conceive. Yeah. So that was our spectrum. Between three months was the best case scenario um, that we had. So that's what we were hoping for and that was our goal. Yeah. All right. So you went into surgery that night, mm -hmm. and I was hanging out in the room, just doing some Facebooking. <laughs> um, I was quite bored, and I decided that we'd had such a shocker of the year that we needed to love something, and we also knew that we were moving countries. Because me, while this was all going oh, on, right, yeah. I'm also going through salary negotiation with this new position within the same agency, but just like a new position. So I was battling for my salary and trying to get Alex some benefits. Um, so yeah, so it was where I was like in a deep like argument negotiations while going through all. Yeah, yeah. pretty much at the same time as having all the <laughs> yeah. sounds and everything. It's like this crazy 48 hours that we had. So then I started, um, yeah, I joined a group called Golden Retrievers of Philippines, yeah. Manila, and I got us a puppy. And we could pick him up as soon as we landed. But I just felt like we needed something, so... Poor little Erin comes out of her surgery at like two o'clock in the morning. Oh, maybe I was fighting with your insurance company as well. Oh, that was yeah. another thing to throw into it. That was being shit. American insurance. Alex got a really good like, <laughs> insight into the American healthcare system. What's wrong with your people? I don't know. It's just that. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so poor Erin wakes up from her like lengthy 
surgery with just a picture of a puppy jammed in her face. And I'm not the biggest animal person. No. At all. You barely like the cat. No, I would say there's not much like for the cat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... I don't really, I don't remember any of this, but I guess... Which was awesome because I get to keep practicing it, of showing her the puppy every time until I got the good reaction out of it. Like, a few times she's like, oh, fuck, no. I was like, shh, more drugs, please, more drugs. <laughs> Back to sleep, let's try this again. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then the doctor comes around to visit us next morning. We're just holding our breath the entire time to know exactly how it went. And it went really, really well. Mm-hmm. She pulled out fantastically. Um, but it turns out we made the right decision because the uh, surgeon removed a nine-centimeter tumor mm-hmm. out of Aaron. Yeah, so we made the right call. We did. And he did, and he was very happy with how it went. He wasn't, he didn't break the uterine wall, which means we could technically go after three or four months. He wasn't super, like, you know, confident, like, yes, you can do this. It was very like, oh, well, if you want to try after a few months, you can. So. I think that was kind of hard for us too because we weren't really yeah. sure because if you try too soon, then your uterus could rupture during if you do get pregnant. Pregnancy, yeah. And pregnancy, so that would be bad. You could die. That, that whole so thing. let's not do that. So yeah, we decided to wait a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. and then we moved countries which anyway. Was in, which was insanely chaotic. And then we had the puppy. Well, yeah, so we went back to Dhaka and we were just um, heartbroken. We had our friends, but... It was kind of a quick process because then we're saying goodbye to everybody. We're packing up our house. We're working on shipment. Aaron's like start <laughs> trying to start a new job. Oh, we moved to Manila. We got uh, the cat flew over with us. And uh, same day we got the dog. So the poor cat had a really bad trip. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's pretty uh, yeah. pissed off. Um, yeah, and then, God, we're in this new, and where we're living now is this tiny remote island. Yeah. There were there's like four expats on the island, like in our town. Like we're well, the definitely island. the only two blondes on the oh, island. Oh, by far the only two blondes, and yeah, it was hard. And we have this puppy who's very cute. <laughs> so much work. It was really really hard. So that kind of put, put me off babies decision. for a bu- Oh god, yeah. We're just I was like, like, no thanks. I was like, nah. What were we thinking? So we're back to it now. The puppy's fine. <laughs> He's like, you know, six or seven months now. So. Well, I mean, we just did it too hard, too fast. Like, move countries because we're in Manila for a few days. Then we flew down to our island. Yeah. With the dog, the cat. We're in a small house before we moved into the other house. We weren't settled. Then a shipment came, and then you had to go back to the States to go see your brother for a bit. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, it was really insane. Anyway, so we've kind of got... We've got our shit sorted a bit more now, and we're settled. My job's going really well. It's really crazy but I love it I'm doing I'm managing an office now which is awesome and we are building 900 houses yeah from because there is uh, the super typhoon Haiyan came through a few years ago and totally devastated the island so we're doing we're rebuilding 900 permanent houses which is pretty awesome I'm learning a lot about construction and Alex is studying and getting some master's classes under her belt mm-hmm. to keep him busy and yeah, so because because there are no jobs here for foreigners, unfortunately, she wasn't able to get a job, which kind of sucks for her. But she's been incredibly supportive and supported me throughout the whole process, even though we knew by moving to the Philippines, it would mean that Alex wouldn't be able to work. So she made a huge sacrifice for me, and I'm very appreciative. But yeah, so yeah, it's been here. fun. This is like country life. It's very different to Bangladesh. It's very quiet. 
We can be out here though. Oh, we can. Which That's is amazing. Yeah. Actually, and like a lot of our friends are gay. I know. We didn't even First know. First time ever. I know. Oh, yeah, we didn't even know. I know. I was like being all like, you know, my typical, oh, yeah, my spouse, my spouse, my spouse. And, and you then, say Alex, so it's easy for you. Yep. And then they're Filipina. And I was like talking to the girl. I'm like, ah, da, da, da. And then like slowly like realizing she's pretty like liberal and like not conservative. I'm like, okay. And then like talking more. And then finally I dropped the name. And then I finally say she. And she's like, it's about freaking time. <laughs> she's like, I figured there's got to be something in there. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. So yeah, so she's gay. Her brother's gay. And then all... A bunch of our friends as bunch well. Bunch of our friends All at the bar. It's awesome. Oh, and they're doing Pride March <gasps> next <gasps> month. In March. So excited! Yeah, it's just so different than Dhaka. Within like 24 hours, like so, oh, I was in Dhaka with my, you know, being incredibly, incredibly not out. And then I come and I'm doing the introduction to to my staff and saying hi, this is Aaron, blah blah blah. So I had everyone like go around and like introduce themselves and say something interesting. And I said like <laughs> I have two brothers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So then all the girls are very, it was a very, it's a very sexually charged office. It's quite funny. They're all like in their twenties. It's super fun. And the girls are like, Ooh, I'm single and looking to mingle. I want to meet your brothers. And I'm like, Oh, ha ha ha. And then the last person to go was a guy. And he's like, I'm also interested in your brother. And I'm like, Oh my God. I like wanted to freeze the moment in time. I'm like, I'm so happy right now. I'm yeah. like, I can't believe, I can't believe this just happened because our agency isn't, necessarily the first one you would think of when you think of people being gay that work there so it was just like incredibly surprising and happy so it's great we're yeah it's awesome yeah and everyone's been super cool yeah. um i don't even really think about it i know we could we, anymore i know everyone knows basically we, we don't have to like broadcast it but everyone knows the two blancs and the golden retriever puppy <laughs> yeah everyone knows us <laughs> everybody knows us so yeah it's awesome so we're starting so we are starting oh, so now for ivf yep we were supposed to have a trial this, we were supposed to have a transfer this weekend. Correct, we'd been chatting to the um, clinic in December and said that Erin um, had done an ultrasound, the recovery was great, we're looking to go for March. February. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, in February this weekend. Um, but the clinic sort of dropped the ball again and didn't send us Erin's plan quick enough. So it meant that Erin didn't have enough time to be on the pill to sink her body um, and we just didn't want to half-ass it, you know, like it's been such an emotional bloody roller coaster so far that we don't, if, unless it's like, uh, yeah. yeah, like not a hundred percent, but like a, a green light kind of thing for good, we're not going to waste that heartache or the, you know, the emotional involvement yeah. into it, like flights, like it's still really expensive for us to get over there, still really hard with your job to get over there. So yeah. We pulled the pin on that one and wrote a very sturdy email to Very them. strongly worded. Yes. Like that, I was, we were very disappointed. There's so many things that you cannot control with this whole process. Absolutely. IVI, IUI, you cannot control if your body, like, if the embryo is sick. There's so much you can't control. If your lining's getting thick, oh my goodness. But you know what you can't control? Sending a freaking email. Sending an email. With the goddamn pill list. I can take a freaking pill every day. I can guarantee that happens. But I, you know, so I was, both of us were livid. What well, was the other fucking thing we saw? Oh, they gave us like expired pills. Cause of like, a year. Not even that exactly. A few months. February of 2017, these like pills expired. The Pregnova to make your uterine wall lining thick enough. Or expired. Yeah. By a year. So. But what they did, livid, livid, 
livid with them. And I, we kind of feel like we're being held hostage. Like, our embryos are held hostage because we can't move. We can't find another IVF clinic. We, we can't move the embryos. They exactly. won't travel well. So we're going to either lose them. Right. So we have to just stay with these guys. And we've, I mean, after all of it, we only talk to our IVF doctor. We do not converse with anybody else in the clinic. The other um, local doctors being chatting yeah. to me on WhatsApp and I just completely ignore it Can't because it. it's like they're the, incompetent. Yeah. And it's the and clinic is Kim, so the clinic itself is Cambodian, but the doctor is German. He flies in and flies out. Correct. So yeah. it's not like it's his. So the reason I'm not totally freaking out is like, at least it doesn't show that he's incompetent. It's just like the management of this clinic that's incompetent. Yeah. So I, we, I still have a good feeling. I'm still trusting the doctor. We've got so. no reason really to not trust him except he was being stupid okay. with the scans if, if you say that out loud it yeah does. but we're still gonna trust him because we don't have another option we have no other choice <laughs> no other choice so he's gonna get behind it exactly <laughs> just all in all in so uh, yeah we'll, we'll start that in march now yes beginning of march is our new date so, so. you've sort of got your plan yep. i was chatting to the doctor today on whatsapp okay. he's okay, missing cool. Got the plans yeah so it'll be 10th or 11th of march 11th hopefully that's okay much mm-hmm. um which sounds lovely and mm. then we're we're trying to well easter comes just after and aaron has a mandatory holiday so we're yeah. having a little trip away and we're trying to take it as regardless so if aaron's not pregnant woohoo, we get to drink and eat dumplings in taipei, in taipei. if we are pregnant woohoo, we're going to go to hot springs and drink tea yeah <laughs> and you probably can't eat any of the dumplings mm. You just didn't I'll tell you what they taste like. <gasps> Yumminess. Ah, Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just trying to um, guard our hearts a little bit more. And kind of live. Yes. Because, right? like, last year, was all everything was scheduled around um, around IVF. And what if I'm pregnant? Everything so was even really scheduled. Like, from Christmas to everything. your work to, like, everything. Every holiday, every day off. Like, everything was about IVF. Food, everything. Like, yeah. living and breathing was just about that. And... Can't really do it. Can't I mean, we're going to have to, but it's just, we've got to make some changes for it because, yeah, how yeah. breath. And that's part of the reason why we haven't been able to record as well because we couldn't really. We like, had no plan. It was just like, there's yeah. nothing to say. We had no plan. Yeah, and just sadness. And we had to, like, just go through it all and. Drink a lot. Drink a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Because alcohol also isn't is not illegal here. So I can. And it's cheap. It's so cheap. I can buy bottles of wine for like $6. Yeah. Cheaper than water. It's awesome. I was drinking a lot, so that was Now we're off it again because we're old. Yeah, that was a lot. Because we had your dad come visit as well. So <laughs> we did Australia for two weeks, partying with my family. And then your dad came back for two weeks, yeah. partying with your dad. So now we are just dry. Yeah, now we're just drinking juice. <laughs> drinking juice. But yeah, so that's our plan. Hopefully we will talk to you soon with some positive news. But I just wanted to take a quick minute and say, Jackie, congratulations. Yay! We're so excited for you. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, sorry, both of you. Congratulations. Very excited. And I hope you feel better. The last the podcast sounded like you're pretty sick. So I hope you feel better soon. Yeah. And it gets better because you're kind of terrifying me. Yeah, stop talking about it. Alex keeps pressing the pause button. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Okay, well, ladies, I hope you're doing really well, and good luck with everything. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye! All right, so that was a really good update. Yeah, I can't, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That's crazy. I can't, my, like, jaw just kept dropping at all the craziness you guys have gone through. Getting a dog, moving, 
the the delays with the fibroid and the the clinic fuck ups and I just it was a roller coaster. Yeah. The first thought that I had was with that full body scan thing. Mm-hmm. You can just get one of those. I want to get one of those because I'm convinced that I have every single possible. Today I thought I had a tumor. She tells sure. me she has cancer like regularly. And the minute I heard the, that brought up, I was like, Angie's going to say she wants one of them. Yeah. yeah Someone I was that. talking about I knew that you'd say that. having a pulmonary embolism. And I was like, I have one of those. I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I probably have one of those. Yeah. I don't think... I want a full body scan. Oh, my God. My anxiety would just be gone. I think you have to pay for it. It's probably like... Yeah, I mean, you can get any test. It's called privatized medicine. We have it here, too. It's just fucking expensive, so... Well, let's do it. I think it's worth it. Um, no. (laughs) I don't think that's a good idea. Well, when I die of cancer and embolisms and some other weird thing that I probably have, you're going to be sorry that we didn't get a full body scan. Well, let's just put it out there that if you die ever, I will be sorry. Okay. Good. Okay. okay. Good. Did you hear that, guys? <laughs> um, but then I was like, wait, what? How did you get this whole scan? And multi- it sounds like another ultrasound, and they still didn't know that you had a nine centimeter tumor? Yeah. They only saw a two centimeter fibroid? I, like crazy to me i don't even know how that works um i'm so thrilled with how your surgery went though that's a very positive yeah good good anya for looking for a second opinion we have some friends who are going through something similar and they're on the wait list at the moment and don't know when they're getting that type of surgery and it's so devastating yeah this well i mean you didn't really give any details, but we have we have some friends who are who are doing the fertility dance, and um, both of them have discovered that they have blockages in their fallopian tubes. So uh, that's the beauty of the private healthcare system is that you don't have to be a slave to the timing. In Canada, yes, we have universal healthcare, but that comes with huge wait lists. So usually the waits for this kind of surgery is six to eight months. And anybody who's doing the, sur- the, the fertility thing knows how devastating that kind of a wait, because that's just to get the surgery. And as you were saying, there's recovery time. And then is it going to be safe? Is it going to be okay afterwards? So ugh. the moral of the story, which we have been telling all of our friends, is to get checked out early. Yeah, if you even if you don't want kids for like eight years, just yeah. get checked out now because yeah. just it's good to know so that when you're finally at that place where you're like, I need kids, it's already too late. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. when you decide that you want kids and you're ready for it, you are already so emotionally invested mm-hmm. in that that it's not gonna be okay when something comes across your path that delays it. Yeah. And we had only the tiniest taste of that. Oh my god, we're I mean, more the more stories I hear, the more people that we meet, the more people that we know going through this fertility process, especially the more, like, lesbian couples, the more I just keep thinking, wow, we're so fucking lucky, and I feel so terribly for people like you guys, like any of you who are struggling that have had so many barriers like this. But that's why, because I hear all of this, that's why I'm telling my friends who are like, oh, we're not going to have kids for a year. I'm like... Do it now. Get your fucking HSG. Go talk to a specialist. Just get it started. 
because it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to start trying to have kids right now. It just means you know that your body is going to be ready when you are. Yeah. And that's so huge. And I like I kind of like <laughs> I didn't I was a huge pain in the ass with one of our friends who have who we've said this to before. But I was like, "Listen, I just found this out about another friend." And, like, it wasn't until I was, like, being such a pushy pain in the ass that she was like, wait, everyone has to get this test? I was like, yes, I've told you this. Everyone has to get this test because no fertility specialist would proceed without knowing that your fallopian tubes are clear. Or they would, but it would be very much, um, what's that term? Malpractice? Not malpractice. They're not doing anything wrong, but just... Unethical. No, not unethical. Well, I don't know. Give me more things. (laughs) Just, like, not best practice. Yeah. Well, I th- and all of all of these stories just scream to me that there needs to be better f- there needs to be regulation period in fertility medicine worldwide. Like it doesn't seem like I mean we get you get told different things from one doctor to the next in the same clinic, let alone different doctors in different countries, different doctors in different clinics in different in in the same city. Oh shit. Anyway, so it's just, it's like, it's shocking to me how much variability there is in the information that's given out. And it's not, I mean, it doesn't stop at fertility. It continues on with all things surrounding pregnancy and pre and postnatal care and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's all medicine. You can't, it would be nice if it was all regulated. So you go to like. Singapore, you're going to get the same treatment you get in the States, the but will in the Australia. Thing, the thing is, it's not... It's impossible. It's not all medicine because the science should all be the same. You're going based on the same studies. You know, when it comes to... I don't think there's been enough study. That's, I think, the problem with fertility, with reproductive medicine in general, is that there hasn't been enough study to figure out why things happen the way they do, what creates a better chance or a better circumstance or whatever i and i think that it's just too it's too much of a business mm-hmm. because it's not it's not seen as like health it's not seen as like a necessity right it's seen as like voluntary or yeah. elect elective i guess would be the better term yeah whereas like when you're going i mean yes different countries will have different protocols for like cancer treatments but they still the worldwide like medical community is still looking to the same studies and there's so much more money going into research right Mm -hmm. so it's a different it's a different animal anyway it just i think the message that i have gathered from all of these stories is is if you have questions and you're not satisfied with the answers that you're getting the overarching message is get a second opinion if you don't feel comfortable with the person that is providing your care because i've heard so many stories now of people who have had stupid mistakes made or or Doctors overlook something really important and it it causes them huge amounts of wasted money, wasted time, wasted effort, wasted, like, most of us doing this are doing this later in life because you who can afford to do this shit when you're in your 20s? It's too expensive, so we're doing it usually in our 30s, so time is so important, resources are, are limited, like, it's, it's so infuriating to hear a doctor make a mistake that could cause such a huge delay or huge like I just I just can't it's it makes me mad for and it didn't happen to me (laughs) yeah 
It would be nice if it was easier for everybody for sure. It's just crazy. It's it's crazy because when you want it, you want it so badly and you want it so quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a good reminder to hear that because I am still pregnant <laughs> and still struggling. So it's like, yeah, but at least I'm pregnant, you know? I told my friend that because they started to try, according to her, uh, her turn of phrase was, we're just going to like start casually and I was like okay that's not a thing that's fine but I don't think you realize how emotionally invested you're going to get in that Mm -hmm. and it's going to be fast and it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. and she was kind of like okay and then she was going into it thinking like I don't want to be obsessing about every single detail and like because we were we have I mean we all do because because you have to (laughs) yeah and it was like two months of like casual trying and she was like this is heartbreaking i was like i know yeah that's the thing you think that oh we'll just it's pro i know that it's not going to be fast and you can say all these things to yourself and think that you're going into it really level-headed but you have no control over how you feel mm-hmm. and you are going to think in the back of your mind no matter how many times you tell yourself not to what if mm-hmm. what if i'm pregnant this time what if it worked and that starts to get louder and more pervasive and it starts to take over and you kind of start to think like, oh, then the baby will be born in January and then na, 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 and it just runs away from you. Mm-hmm. And then you get that negative and all mm-hmm. those little tiny dreams that were like brewing in your head yeah. just come crashing down and there's no way to control it. Mm-mm. It's so hard. I, I mean, I don't think I even experienced that because... You're a cold-hearted bitch. No, I didn't expect... Because I went into it like, it's not going to happen. For a while, like I had, for some reason, I was sure it was going to take a while. With you or with me? With me. And after how hard it was for you and how, like, I mean, emotionally, like not, when you look at the, like, facts, we, you conceived in five months, four tries of IUI. That's fucking nothing. And for me to have had that happen in two, it was like, what? I Like, it took a while for me to just be like, what? Like, wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Like, I really didn't believe that it was going to be that, that it would be that easy for me. I thought it was going to be harder. But that being said, you were still upset the first time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was still upset. It's crazy because that feels like it was so long ago. (laughs) And I think it's because this pregnancy has felt like an eternity. And that's just suffering, suffering (laughs) five fucking I don't I'm not trying to scare anybody out there because like honestly it doesn't and this is this took me a while to come to but like it doesn't matter whether your pregnancy is great or not that's not the point I didn't do this so that I could have an amazing pregnancy experience I hoped I would and it sucks that I'm not but the point was to have a baby and that's what I'm doing this for everything in my life is going to get easier and harder at the same time <laughs> when I finally have this baby out of my body because it is just wreaking havoc. Yeah. The nausea and stuff is, like, much better. I'm still taking medication for it. Um, it's still a problem sometimes, but it's, like, nothing compared to how bad it was. But now I have – I, I don't think I even ta- – I haven't even talked about this yet. Yeah. Now I have been diagnosed with well, – there's a bit of, like, debate in the medical community about what to call it at this point, because 
the diagnosis I got was SPD, but physiotherapy. Which is? Symphysis pubis dysfunction. Which is? Which is, it basically is um, caused by too much relaxin in your ligaments and your whole pelvic girdle area. The ligaments have relaxed too much and my pubic bone is possibly separating or rubbing or... It's just painful. It's fucking painful. Things are not being held together the way they should be in my pelvic area. And it's very painful and it causes um, me to be in pain all the time, pretty much. Um, I can't... I can't really walk that much. I can't... Stairs are really hard. Bending is really... Like, my mobility has been incredibly limited. But what I was trying to say is that... My physiotherapist is saying that, like, even calling it SPD is, like, an old school kind of thing. Now they just call it pelvic girdle pain because you don't really know necessarily what is happening. It's just that it's, I mean, it's all, I mean, if something happens to one part of your pelvis, the rest of your whole lower body is fucked, right? So I um, am in pain all the time. So what this means for us is that... Things haven't gotten much easier. Uh, Jackie's world has shrunk quite yeah. significantly. I feel like a prisoner in my own house. She, just being totally honest, you spend a lot of time just sitting on the couch. Yeah. You can't really, like... This is like my world, is literally this fucking couch. And last night, Andrew was like, why are the blinds always open? It's our, dra- our windows are so drafty. I was like, I cannot live and not have, like, a view, at least, of the world that I'm missing out on. Because I... I can't, like, even just going outside, like, the fact that I have to get my shoes on and I have to, like, get Sterling ready and then we have to go down the stairs and, you know, what if she runs away and I have to run after her? Like, it's it's so limiting. And it's hard because people are like, why can't you just go outside? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not that easy. I mean, Yeah, because we've been calling a lot of our friends being like, can you come and take Sterling out? Can you go and do, like, can anyone come and help us? And I think people are really not understanding how painful how painful it is for you and that you're not just like oh I'm tired and I my back hurts and I just don't want to go out it's like you walk three blocks and the whole next day you can't move yeah so it's like yeah you can take sterling out but then it's like what's you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons and be like is it worth it for me to take her out and then literally not be able to like get off the couch the next day and then Mm. that's even harder because you can't well, I'm always having to, like, negotiate, like, okay, well, this this past few weeks has been okay because it's been spring break, so I haven't had to take her out for anything in particular, but she needs to go outside, <laughs> you know? She needs to play. She needs to get fresh air. She needs to go walk. She needs to get exercise. I mean, she can run around our apartment, sure, but it's not the same, and I feel so guilty when I can't take her out. It's so shitty. It's so hard to... I keep telling myself that it like doesn't bother me anymore but it's still it's really hard because I feel like I'm not giving Sterling what she needs and I'm with her all the time um and like some of our friends have been really awesome and super helpful and it just but it still makes me feel bad because I can't do what I want to do for her and I know it's temporary but it's like oh I'm sure I'm gonna have so much more time and ability to take her out when I have a newborn like it's just hard because I think, like, this is the last 
This is the last bit of time I have with her before the baby's born, when it's just her. And I want to be able to do things with her. Um, Jesus. I want to be able to do more with her, and I can't. It just makes me feel really shitty. It's not your fault. I know. I know this is going to be hormones or something, because I'm not usually this, like, weepy about it. Um, if I was, I'd just sit around and cry all the time. Uh, but, like, this week, one of my friends who has two kids of her own, two little kids of her own, came out and took Sterling to the aquarium, and it was, like, so nice and helpful. Um, but yeah, her, like, her little kid, little toddler classes are starting up again, so that means... I have to get her there and get her back, and one of them is gymnastics, and that one's really hard. She loves it so much, but that one's really hard because I have to help her do all the stuff in the class. It's not like, you know. You don't just get to drop her off and the teacher does everything. It's like parent yeah. involvement. Yeah. Lifting her, putting her on the things, helping her get down, all that kind of stuff. Sitting on the floor with her, standing up, sitting a little... There's a lot of... I'm, like, really concerned about being able to... <laughs> do it because this class goes until after the baby's born so I don't even know what we're gonna do we're gonna figure something out but um I just I can't like not we couldn't not put her in it she loves it so much and it gives us like some structure in our week to have these classes um anyway yeah I think it's just, that's why we haven't been really podcasting very much, or, I mean, that's not the only reason, but, and just still being run ragged and doing everything. She makes dinner every night. She cleans up every night. Like, I I can't even bend. I can't pick up stuff off the floor. Like, and if any of you have a toddler, that's where everything is. Oh, my Lord. And then there was one day, well, it was like a few days, where I was carrying a big box or a big, those big Tupperware bins that you use for, like, moving. You did it one day. It didn't... No, I know, but I'm, I'm saying it. Yeah. The ramifications were over several days. Yeah. Uh, I was carrying a big bin down the stairs at work. I couldn't see my feet, and I slipped, and I, like, went back, and then to, like... Or I went... I slipped forward, and then to counteract me not, like, falling down the rest of the stairs, I wrenched back, holding this big box. And at the time, I was just sort of like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, I fell down the stairs... And then about 20 minutes later, my back just seized up. Because you went from there to sitting at a desk. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just because I got to move and stretch. And I was kind of moving and stretching. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And I was really confused as to I did not connect the two for the longest time. And then you came home and Sterling and I were sitting looking out the window like we do when we wait for you. And she, I watched her, she parked right in front of the window in front of the building. I watched her out of the car and it was like. Oh, fuck. Because, I mean, obviously I was concerned because she's had back issues before, like at the end of her pregnancy and afterwards with her rupture or herniated discs. So when you came in, I was like, what happened to your back? And you were like, oh, I'm just like so lazy. And like, I was being so hard on myself. I was like, this is because I don't exercise and I haven't been doing like stretching and it's just and I was feeling so terrible. And then later on that night, I was like talking to... You went to your supervisor's house for dinner. Yeah, and I was like, my back really hurts. It's 
I don't know why. It's probably because I fell down the stairs with that huge box. And it just like totally came to me. I was like, yeah. oh my God, no wonder. Yeah. It's not because I'm a lazy piece of shit. I can go <laughs> back to being lazy. It's because I injured myself yeah. significantly. So the point of the story was that there was like three days when <laughs> neither of us could bend. And we're both like, oh, what are we going to do? You get her out of the tub. No, you. Ugh. Yeah. And it was so bad. We're like, Sterling, can you go pick this up? Go pick that up. And she was like into it at first and after a little while she's like fuck, fuck you, you guys bitches. like pick <laughs> yeah. up your own shit yeah that was really challenging i was like this is not okay we yeah. can't both be physically like thankfully you got in for physio and you had a couple days off work because it was a workplace injury so you had the resources to do that and it it got better and it was just basically that she had pulled all the muscles in her lower back mm-hmm so she's fine now, but at first I was like, oh, fuck, no. Like, and I was like, how long is this going to go on? This can't, we can't survive like this. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, after hearing Alex and Aaron's story, I'm like, our struggles are not that big. I feel guilty complaining. But um, don't be scared because, I mean... Honestly, you never know what kind of pregnancy you're going to have, but that's not the, it doesn't matter. It's temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel temporary while you're pregnant, but just worry about getting pregnant. And then, you know, after the crazy shit you guys have gone through, you're probably going to have like the most perfect pregnancy ever. I hope that for you. Um, that's what people keep telling Jackie. Oh, yeah. you've had such a crazy pregnancy. You probably have such an easy birth. Mm-hmm. Or my baby's going to be so easy. I'm like, you know, whatever. If this is just like the penance I have to pay for having gotten pregnant so quickly and easily and cheaply, whatever. This is just, it just is. I don't know. Yeah. It just is. And it's the only, like, I, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> I have no interest in doing this again. No. None. Like, None. Which really sucks. I always kind of like saw myself as like, like a good child bearer. Like, I mean, part of that is just like, I'm curvy. I have big hips and people have told me my whole fucking life, childbirth is going to be great for you. Childbearing hips, which is like really just the worst thing you can say to like, fuck you. Because actually that doesn't mean anything. All hips are childbearing hips. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tiny people can have babies. Large people can have babies. Your hips, like, what's happening to Jackie? Yeah. They spread open and allow for the uh-huh. baby to come out. Yeah. So all hips are childbearing hips. Just hope for all of you that it doesn't happen until, like, when you're actually having the baby. <laughs> as opposed to, like, three months, three, four months before, and you're just in excruciating pain all the time. Maybe it's relaxing so much that the baby will just be like, blop! Just fall out of me. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> Didn't we have an email or a message from someone who said we had a, they had a question, but we can answer it on the show? Oh, yeah. Wow. That was a long time ago. This is from, we got an email from a listener. This was from a while ago, <laughs> um, from the end of February. She says, hi, Angie and Jackie. My name is Lauren, and I've been married to my wife, Christina, for just over two years. I have baby fever so hard, and I recently found your podcast, and I've been listening to your older episodes. I was hoping that you could give some advice on your personal testimonial regarding when you thought it was best in terms of your relationship, financial status, etc., to start trying for your first child. My wife and I are both in the military and both want to carry and have children, but we are fuzzy on when the right time and how to know when we should start trying. Is there ever a clear moment on when it's right? Um, 
Also, my wife is worried about falling onto the back burner once I start caring and we have our first child. I would love any words of wisdom you could give me, whether that's privately in response to this email or addressed in a podcast. Thanks so much, Lauren. Okay, so um, that's, I mean, that's definitely something we can talk about. We negotiated about when to have kids for a long time. For I wanted to have them probably like five years before we did. Yeah. But Angie's not the money person in our relationship. So she was just like, let's just do it. Whatever. And I was like, yeah, no. Um, for us, a big factor was like being done school, having a career, having like a an established job and a like steady income. Which obviously you do mm-hmm. if you're in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of it uh, for us, too, was like Angie needed to... Because we already we we figured that Angie would go first. Um, I think you you ended up getting a job quicker than I did and had a career going quicker than I did, and also you just had the urge more intensely than I did. You ha- had baby fever really intensely, and I, it's not that I didn't want kids; I just wasn't as like desperate about it, <laughs> I guess. Um, so once we figured out that it was going to be Angie first. Then we had to make sure that she was able to take a mat leave. So I don't know if that's something that you guys need to think about or factor in. But that was definitely a big part of our timing. And then money. I mean, we had gotten married. And we knew we were going to we knew we were gonna get married before we had kids. And we still had some debt to pay off from our wedding. So that played a part. Um, and then... I think also... Part of it was just feeling like we'd been together for so long at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. When we got married, we'd been together for eight years. Mm-hmm. When we started trying, I think it was like nine, Yeah. right? I think just having the security of knowing that we've been through so much together and that we just felt very secure in our relationship, yeah. I think, too. Just knowing like this is the next step. We have worked through the majority of like our communication issues and other things that have come up over the years that we've been through some major shit together that like really showed us that no matter how hard this next thing was going to be, we could be good to each other through and we knew how to like handle really intense, stressful stuff. Yeah. Together. Talked a lot about parenting ideas and ideals and we knew that we were on the same page about pretty much everything (laughs) and we were very involved in Jackie's sister's kids lives and you know the lives of the friends of mine who have kids so just interacting with kids in that way like as sort of like a team Mm -hmm. I think also showed us that like yeah we were ready we can have kids because we like kind of are the same on the same page about a lot of things and have the same sort of like style in terms of how we deal with kids and yeah so I think all that stuff came together and then it was just basically like dealing with the money thing. Yeah, it was the money. And then it was also, I mean, once we decided we were ready, then we had to figure out how, right? That, I mean, anybody yeah. who's listened to our podcast knows that that went through many different phases. The other thing, too, that I think helped us know we were ready for kids was just like knowing that we were over the time of our life where we wanted to like go out and drink. Where we wanted selfish and party all that shit where it's like oh my friends are out and I'm at home and I feel so I'm like FOMO like just getting all of that out of your system we did that we We did that so hard (laughs) like for so long that Mm -hmm. it was 
nauseating and I'm really glad that we did it. Yeah, because I don't have any, I literally don't, mi- like, I don't miss it. No. At all. My friends, or I hear about people going out and I'm like, oh, no, thank you. And I yeah. think about being hungover and I'm like, no. I know, and I have, like, like, people even say to me, like, oh, do you miss drinking? I'm like, no. Like, no. Mm-hmm. I I don't care. I mean, it's probably part of that is that I feel like shit. So I'm like, whatever. Alcohol's not going to make me feel better. Yeah. I just remember toward the end of when we sort of like started to settle Mm. when we would still go out and me just being like I don't want to do this anymore like I'm Mm. doing it because I can and because we should and yeah we'll have fun but ultimately I just wanted to like be at home with you Mm -hmm. and so I was definitely over that lifestyle and I think that that's really important Mm -hmm. for parenting because I've seen some people who don't get that chance because they have kids young or they just it's not out of their system yet and then it's like an internal conflict for them and it creates issues with their partner they start to feel resentful towards their kids they feel like they're missing out on a lot of things and that's Mm -hmm. just not a great way to go into parenting you want to go into parenting just loving life committed to the parenting because it's it's not something you can do halfway like it is fucking full-on so you really need to go into it knowing like Everything in my life is going to be different, and that's okay. Because, I mean, I've heard people say things like, oh, well, well, kids just have to fit around our schedule. That is so ridiculous. That's only a thing that people who don't have kids say because it's impossible for that to happen. Unless your schedule already happens to be, like, getting up tons in the middle of the night, waking (laughs) up really early, and going to bed really early, and, like, never going out and doing (laughs) super big fun things. Um... So I think being around, like, knowing what it's like to be a parent, it helps to have friends who have kids, to have, you know, family members who have kids, to, to see it firsthand. Um, but really, like, a big part of our timeline was age. <laughs> like, yeah. We were like, we're fucking running out of time. And I think definitely when that voice that's like, kids, you want to have kids, what are you thinking about kids, like, that's in mm-hmm. the back of your head starts to get louder and starts to take over is definitely a point at which you should start to well, definitely Angie, that like, voice get more was, like, screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it really wasn't... It was. I don't think we could have waited any longer. No. I would have left you and gone and done it by myself. <laughs> We'd had moments where you were like, if this isn't going to happen, like, I can't be with you anymore. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, no. I know. I was like, yeah. because if you and I decide we're not going to have kids... Or you don't want to have kids or whatever. I need to go and find someone else. And, and that's going to take said, years. And I'd never said I didn't want kids. I always wanted kids. Yeah. Um, and I knew that going in. Like, we talked about that very early on because my pa- my last relationship, my ex didn't want kids. And I was like, that's fine. It wasn't fine. I was like, no, I like always wanted to have kids. So if you both know you want kids, you're both in a like stable, stable job. Your relationship is doing well. I would say now <laughs> because that's the other thing is that if you're if you feel like you're ready if you know conditions are apt for you to be able to have children you have no idea how long it's going to take for you going back to the beginning of the podcast get checked out now so even if you're like yeah we do let's start in two years or a year and a half yeah. just start the process now because then if everything's fine you got it out of the way so then when you're ready you just mm-hmm. start yeah Without issue. And you know what? I'm going to say something a little bit controversial, and it's completely just because it's from our perspective and my our own experience. Don't go for the known donor shit. 
I feel like that is that is it's like a red such, herring. Yeah, and it creates so many issues and I've heard a few times now that people just really want to like have this person that they know be the donor and then it just doesn't end up working or it's just too hard and I honestly think your chance of getting pregnant that way are like way lower. I know that they say it's the same as having sex, but I really don't think it is. It's not. It's not because you're not like it's not like living with somebody and being like, okay, it's time, let's fuck. It's like, okay, we have to schedule this, and this person's schedule has to be... The thing is, it's like, I, we thought the same thing. We were like, we want this person to be accessible to our kid. Your kid is not going to care. And you're not going to care. That's the thing, too. Yeah. Is that... Your kid is going to have two dedicated parents, because that's the thing. It's really hard to be... To, to put all this effort and time into getting pregnant and having kids and not be an invested parent. So this kid is going to have two really invested parents. And it might be a question, I mean, I would say definitely go for an, a donor who's um, willing to be contacted when the kid's 18. So at least if the, the kid has questions, they can ask them. Um, but, you know, kids are, they're going to be fine. And it's not, you, you're trying to create this sort of like fantasy world where the kid has every access to every person who could... It's, it's, that's not the point. It's so easy, I think, in that circumstance to get wrapped up in having that person's kid instead of having a kid, mm-hmm. making the family that you want. But on the, on the other hand, I'm thinking now we've had listeners and stuff who've, and, uh, like friends of friends who've used known donors and it's worked. So it can work. It's it can just, work. It's just, whenever I hear someone's going that route, I'm like, oh, just cut out that whole idea and just go straight for sperm you can buy because it's so much easier i would just say maybe there's like a middle ground in there where it's like know what you're asking of this person is it's probably not going to take one or two months it's probably going to take six to 12 months if not more and they need to be able to do everything that you ask them yeah which means like getting sti screenings getting their sperm analyzed you know i you i think would be silly not to ask them to not like you can't just have sex with a bunch of people up until the day like you want to conserve the best sperm so they'll have to limit their sexual activity and their masturbation <laughs> like they have to be available when you're ovulating they have to be willing to sign over legal papers like it's a lot i think you just have to really go into eyes open knowing what you're asking of that person and have make sure that that person is fully on board and the minute it starts feeling like they're not and you're having a hard time getting them to comply with things you asked and it's their timelines aren't working out, they're not available to you, just I think maybe the message is make sure you know what you're, you're getting into and then once things start going south, just don't hold on just for the sake of... Cut and run. Yeah, cut and run. Get just... <laughs> you think you're saving yourself so much money. But the money is really negligible in the long run when it comes to how frustrating and heart-wrenching it can be when it doesn't happen one month because that person let you down and you can't really control it. There's so little, like Aaron was saying, there's so little that you... Alex? I just (laughs) was like, wait a minute. I think I'm referring to the wrong one. (laughs) Alex. One of those people. Alex was saying... Um, you have so little control in this process and it's just giving up another 
bit of control. Yeah, so why bring in a third person into it and have to, like, figure out their schedule? The other thing, too, is that... I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I probably have. I am so happy, even though our known donor is, like, a lovely person, I'm just very happy that I don't have to consider anybody else. Mm -hmm. That I don't have to think, like, oh, have I sent so-and-so pictures of Sterling recently? Or should we invite him to her birthday or invite him to this? Or, like, should we, like do this and have to that's so much brain space when you're already like raising a child and dealing with like your own life and everything Mm -hmm. that it that it also makes sterling and baby number two feel very like unique to us like they are ours and i know they would most likely feel that way as well but i think it does sort of like pull you out yeah when you have that awareness of like who it is and that you know what they're doing because your friends on Facebook and that kind of thing and and uh, it could really it could really complicate a good friendship I think it's possible to make it work but it's it's sort of like finding that unicorn you know it's 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 not the norm yeah and uh you will probably not regret the money you spent on the sperm you absolutely will not because I was I was saying this to my friend too I was kind of gently trying to talk her out of using a known donor but I was just saying you're not gonna look at your kid five hours five days five months after they're born and think like ah her nose is really weird and like we shouldn't have chosen our donor yeah this kid or I wish this kid looked more like this guy that I really care about you're you're not gonna think anything you're just gonna think your kid is the most amazing thing in the world and you're gonna love it to death yeah doesn't matter where it came from if you slept with like a dumpster person yeah you're gonna love that kid if you you know it's it's crazy think about that jc duggard girl Mm -hmm. who was like kidnapped held captive for 18 years and like repeatedly raped had had two kids by her like rapist and she like loves her kids who are half genetically this man who stole so much of her life from her yeah if she can love her kids, mm-hmm. you you can love a donor that you don't know's kids who has a weird nose. Yeah, I mean, don't pick a donor with a weird nose. Yeah, and don't get kidnapped. But like, you know, what I'm <laughs> I mean, now it's funny because I look at Sterling and I I see so much of you and her. But we like recently pulled up a childhood picture of the donors and was like, wow, she looks a lot like him. Does she? I I do. I think so. Yeah. I have a hard time seeing it. I think that's just because you don't want to see it, and that's okay. But I also don't see. I can kind of vaguely see me in her, but it's not like, whoa. Sometimes in photos I can see it, but yeah. I don't know. She's just such a it's little her, unique Her personality. Sprite. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't think about it on a daily basis. I don't, like, I have to, like, remind myself that she's not, like, from me. <laughs> you know, like, it which doesn't... Which is the thing, which is exactly the the point yeah it's the point and i feel like that might be a little bit harder to achieve if you know the third person who's involved and they're like like i said on facebook whatever yeah Yeah. so you're constantly being reminded oh yeah my kid is from that genetic pool instead of like oh yeah the donor that i have a picture of somewhere on my phone that i only have three pictures of and Mm -hmm. look at occasionally to see if i can the other thing i keep thinking about that situation is that like a person you're asking could be totally fine with it or think they're fine with it when they agree and they could go through with it. And then, like, a couple years down the line, they could totally freak out and be like, I want to have my kid. 
Do you know what I mean? Like there's, I mean, I know obviously you would sign papers and stuff like that, but it's just, you don't know how someone else is going to react. They might start getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then like coming around more and then you have to like put down really strong boundaries and then it's awkward. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, there's so many potentials for it to go bad. Mm -hmm. It's just cleaner and a lot easier this way, I would have to say, because we did try it the other way. And no hard feelings at all. It was amazing that our friends were willing to like go there with us and, and do this thing or try and do this thing. But um, it just didn't work out. It was just too, com- it was really complicated. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if that's what you were looking for, <laughs> um, but it sounds like you've got the urge and you've got like a stable life. I would love to hear more about this situation because I'm always so curious about how people in the military mm. manage to like, especially when there's two of you in the military. So if you do a tour and then your wife does a tour. Not every person that's in the military is going overseas somewhere. Okay. Well, what if you are? I mean, I don't know do very like much a, about it either. But. A nine, 12 month tour. And then your wife goes on tour six months into that. You're not going to see each other for like two years. Like, how does that work? Also, I found this thing on YouTube. You should look it up. Who was that? What's this person's name? <laughs> Lauren. Lauren. It was just today, so it's very apt that you wrote us. It's called Stolen Valor. There's all these videos on YouTube of these people in the States who dress up like they are in the military or the army and go to, like, restaurants to get the discount. Oh, my God, that's Or so just to, up. like, get the accolades out in public. Because you know how much the states, like, loves... <sighs> Thank you so much for your service. Yeah, and they'll, like, Which clap I'm not mocking. Them. I just... It's not yeah. a... Th- it's kind of a thing in Canada. It's not as big of a thing no. here as it is in the states, which is, like, yeah. it's fine. But uh, so people who are actually in the army will confront them and be like, hey, what uh, unit are you with? And they'll be like, oh, I'm with the, like, 507... R6, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, so who? I, I know a guy from that one. What's your sergeant's name? They'll be like, oh, George. Like, oh, yeah, why is your uh, patch there, like, down on your forearm? It should be up here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Must have got stuck in my luggage. Oh, yeah. Why do you have a first start? And they'll just, like, rip apart their uniform, and the guys end up getting so embarrassed and, like, running away. <laughs> I watched so many of those videos today at work. Don't tell. <laughs> You find the weirdest shit on the internet. Oh, it's so satisfying. I that can't believe people do that. That is such a fucked up thing Isn't to that do. Weird? That's, I mean, it is a huge sacrifice, I think, to be in the military. And I cannot imagine being so, I don't even know, morally bankrupt to be able to pretend that oh, you Oh, the are. guys get so mad. That they'll, like, yell at them and be like, I had so many of my friends die wearing that uniform. You take it off right now. You did not mm. earn it. And they'll scream oh, at them yeah. and they'll, like, lose their minds. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's it's very satisfying. Stolen valor. Look it up. <laughs> and if you feel like sharing more about your military life and what that looks like in your relationship, we're open. But uh, don't feel like you have to. Yeah. Just because you asked us a question and Angie's got... In another life, I would have joined the Army. That was my plan, actually. Mm-hmm. After, before I got the job, my very first job when I was 18, I was like, I'm just going to join the Army. Because I don't know what else I can do with myself, and I just want to sort of, like, get away from everything. And if I can't find a job, I, like, kind of gave myself a vague notion of, like, six months or whatever. If I can't find a job, I'm just going to join the army. That would have been an effective way of getting away from your insane family. Yeah. But I can't really see you in that kind of a world. I think I would have been good at it. 
when I took a, te- you know, those aptitude career tests in high school, when mm-hmm. I took one, it said the army. Really? Yeah. Because I want it. Like I the craved. Canadian Armed Forces? Yeah, it was like when I was in the States, it said go to the Canadian Army. No. Wait, what? <laughs> what? You don't take those tests when you're 10? No. I was joking. Okay. <laughs> Why are you saying the Canadian Army? Well, I'm saying like, were you considering, you were considering the Canadian Army or were you going to go to like fight for the States? No, I wasn't going to go down and join the States. I wanted to do it in Canada. Okay. Well, you're not Canadian citizen. I think my plan was to join the I don't even know if that reserves. matters. I don't even know if that matters. I think you can be a permanent resident. I don't know. I don't I know. I think you might actually... I don't know. I, anyway. I anyway. It didn't happen. Uh-huh. But I think the reason why my test said that is because I really liked discipline and structure and... Because you didn't have it growing up. Yeah. And yeah. I just... You were yeah. craving it. Totally. I think that makes sense. And you wanted to feel like you belonged somewhere. That's totally... And I was very aggressive. Yeah. You had a lot of anger issues yeah. at that at that age. Yeah. That's another thing. If you got some, like, major, like, issues, like, I had some anger problems that Ange and I have, like, very effectively worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, do that before you have kids, because uh, nothing tests your your limits like toddlers. Also, try and do it before you have cats, because <laughs> the cats recently have been bringing out oh, the angry the rage, side. The rage that they bring out in me. I think it's because, I, I've been saying this to Ange, because... I have so little control, and that seems to be like a repetitive theme here, but I have so little control over what I can do over my surroundings. Like, I normally clean all the time. I really like to have a clean house, and I can't do it. I physically can't do it. Like, vacuuming hurts. Doing the dishes hurts. Like, everything fucking hurts. Um, And so I've been like... Thankfully, I haven't been annoying the shit out of Ange, which surprises me because I... I thought I was asking a lot. Can you pick this up? Can you... Don't do this. Like, when you do this, do the, Like... <sighs> trying to get her to be me, which is impossible. Um, but the cats, like... I feel like they are just, like, making this small little space that I have to live in so much less enjoyable. Because they just fucking make them... Like, my cat who pukes all the time... It's not enough that she pukes all the time, but she has to fucking puke off the counter so it (laughs) splatters all over the bathroom. Like, it's raw meat, bitch. Why did you... Like, I feel like that was, like, an intentional slight because she's just mad at the world. Anytime she does that, I feel like it's a fuck you to both of us. Totally. Because I'm like, you could... You had to lean over. You had to get up on the counter, lean over it to puke on the ground. Yeah. Because she eats on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, oh, she's, oh. And then it, I, yeah, I went into the bathroom one day because we feed her in the bathroom. Why do we feed her in the bathroom? I don't remember, but we do. We put her in the bathroom to be fed because the other cat is a fat ass and he will just, like, push her out of the way and eat all of her food. Okay, but he's actually not fat. No, but he, like, eats, he like. He will eat her food. He will, he will eat anything. Then that's yeah. another problem I have with him is that he has now decided that because we have a toddler who fucking makes a mess when she eats. That he's going to beg from her and he distracts her so much that she stops eating and we already have issues with her, like, not eating enough. And so I get, like, insanely mad at him and I'm like, go away! <laughs> like, but then at the same time, I'm like, but I do want you to eat the shit off the floor because I can't <laughs> clean it up. But don't do it until she's done eating. Oh my god, I have such unrealistic expectations of these animals. Oh, I know I do. I just don't have anywhere else to, like, 
direct it and then Ange keeps saying like you have to you can't show Sterling how angry you're getting with the cats I'm like I know I know know. we're gonna like teach her to be cruel to animals she isn't though she's really good to them she she is good to Felix most of the time but she she has learned from us so Roxy comes around she goes and she starts wagging her finger in her face like go away she has like very good boundaries with the cats I'm impressed I don't think that's a problem because Roxy will fucking bite her and scratch her. So I'm like, good. You tell that bitch to stay away from you. That's what I do. No, I know. I think it's fine. It's just like, I don't think I've seen a toddler do that before. With a cat be like very stern. Like, no, I don't want you around now. Go away. It's so funny. If I'm like getting mad at Roxy for doing something, which is pretty much all the time. She, like, will come in from any room be like, yeah, I'm on there, too. Team mom. <laughs> and she'll be like, ah, hey. And she, like, claps. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, like, <laughs> if she's in the dining room and Jackie's in the living room, like, Roxy, get down. Sterling will immediately just start hitting whatever's closest to her to, like, also make noise. Like, yeah, get down, Roxy, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. Poor Roxy. Well. Oh, my God. Does anybody want a cat? We tried to rehome her. We messaged people about rehoming her because there was a period of time. Did we talk about this on the podcast? I think we did. Yeah. But no one wants her. She's not rehomable. No. She's just not. And you know what? I I feel guilty because part of the issue is that I can't touch her as much as I use. I can't pet her. I can't cuddle with her. I'm like insanely allergic to her. This is the problem with being mildly allergic to cats. You have... Okay, it's fine in your normal life. You're mildly allergic to them. You get kind of accustomed to it and it's fine. Then you get pregnant and your immune system goes fucking nuts. And you can't even look at the cat without having like a massive allergic reaction. So that happened to Ange when she was pregnant. You still kind of have that same level of reaction. And I don't know if that's because you're still breastfeeding or I don't know what. I don't know. But I am now having the same thing happen. So our cats are just love-starved a bit. Yeah, so strangers come over and they're like, touch me. Mm-hmm. Just, like, pet me for a second. But, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't want to blame them for their drooling, but, I mean, if they didn't drool so much, it wouldn't be so hard to, like, pet them and spend some time giving them some That's attention. true, because the drool is what I'm the most allergic yeah. to. So if I do choose to, okay, Felix, come here. Now he's going to come here, but okay, no, like, I'm going to pet you. That, that doesn't mean anything. It's probably 15 seconds before I have a puddle. And I'm, this is not an exaggeration, no. you guys. You can ask any one of our family members. It is insane. It's pouring out of his mouth like a leaky tap. Yeah. It's just like drip, 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 drip. It's like a... It is. It's you would call cool. a plumber if, you're, if your fucking tap was doing this. And we warn people, and it's so embarrassing, too, when people come over and they're like, oh, kitty, and they, like, get him up on her lap, and we're like, but he drools a lot. They're like, I can handle it, and then they kind of realize, like, the freak, the extreme drooling that he does, and then they're like, oh, we actually have a bib of Sterling's that we will, like, give to people who come over to put on him. So it'll catch his own drool because he's such a mess. But he actually has, he gets, he gets pretty good attention and this is the thing this is the thing where i'm like felix makes sense roxy doesn't felix is so good to sterling and sterling gives him lots of affection she pets him and she hugs him sometimes she's a little bit you know too intense for him and he'll like 
protest a little bit, but he puts up with so much because he gets something out of it. Sterling would do the same thing to Roxy if she let her, but Roxy will just, like, bite her, swipe at her, whatever. So I don't really feel as bad for Roxy because I feel like she's, like, created this whole isolated situation she's in. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Jackie's 33 weeks pregnant. Oh, yeah. Final countdown. It's 33 weeks today. Yeah, somebody told me not to count down, that it was, like, not a good thing to do. And I was like, that's impossible. It's impossible to not count down because I'm counting up. <laughs> like, and every pregnant woman counts up. You have to. It's just, like, a necessity because everything is done based on how many weeks pregnant you are. Every care provider asks you how pregnant you are. It, You know, that's how you me- find out if you're measuring normal is based on how many weeks you are and how many centimeters your belly is and also in order to like prepare effectively you need to know when it's coming you can't just be like what oh today oh we didn't get a car seat oh the baby has nowhere to sleep oh my gosh yeah so i mean we are definitely in the final countdown but 33 weeks means like seven to nine more weeks it's like a couple well we're counting down assuming you're including the two weeks overdue. In I'm your going to 42 right? weeks because I feel like psychologically it's better than being like, I feel like people that count to 40, by the time they get to 40, they feel like they're already so ready for the baby. And it's like, but you're not, the average woman goes 41 weeks plus three days. So I am don't know why we count to 40. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's... It's ridiculous, the whole due date thing. Well, in the gestational period, it's not even, it's not, there's no science behind it. It's like saying that you're, saying that you're full term at 40 or that you're technically full term at 37. What the fuck does that mean? Anyway, due dates are like a big fat guess. I mean, I think it's probably more likely to be accurate when you're getting inseminated. <clears throat> because you know when rather than like a straight couple who's just having sex and that like falls pregnant somehow and they don't know exactly when they conceived right yeah but, my friend yeah had she was she told me recently that she was technically 21 days overdue with her third kid mm-hmm. um the only reason that their care providers allowed her to go that long is that her midwife pushed back her due date or pushed her due date by 10 days yeah which is dumb because it's like so that just and her kid was born not a big kid no totally fine seemed like like i mean you can tell people who deliver babies can tell when babies are like way overdue or when they're just like regular term whatever because like there's vernix their skin looks different their the weight their weight yeah 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 so and if you're with an OB, they would never do something like that. She would have been, like, induced or C-section, get the baby out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a new thing that's, like, talking about how due dates should should not even be a thing, and it should just be a due month. Mm. That, like, yeah, your baby's going to be due in May. Mm-hmm. Expected in May, instead of being, like, this day, and then you get... It's not even that day because people start thinking, like, what if it's born early? So it actually gets moved psychologically yeah, closer. Yeah, 37 weeks. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's... But I think the problem with the due dates is that the medical system uses it for things like, oh, you can't go X number of days past due, but that due date isn't isn't a hard and fast, this is exactly how long you've been pregnant. It's a fucking guess. And they'll change it based on scans you have, like halfway through your pregnancy, based on how big you're measuring, and that's ridiculous too. It's just, it's it's a really problematic way of measuring pregnancy, and it informs decisions that cause so many more problems and intervene on labor and on babies just coming out in so many ways that are so invasive and unnecessary. It's just, I think it's a really flawed system that we have right now. And I think in like decades to come, it's going to change a lot. Oh yeah. The World Health Organization just put a thing out saying that the more interventions there are, or that first of all, there shouldn't be any interventions. Let women just give birth, let them give birth. Let them go into labor when they're going to go into labor. That has a better outcome. The more interventions that are implied end up in worse birth situations. And this is why, like, I can't, I don't know, I keep trying to explain this to my family, that it's not safer to have a baby in a hospital just because you're in a hospital. In a lot of ways, it's less safe because then they're, you know, even something as simple as getting induced seems like no big deal to a lot of people, but that actually really can fuck up the entire course of your labor because your body's not ready yet. The re- the If you're getting induced just because it's been a while, your body's not ready yet, so it's not going to be... It's not just going to be like, oh, okay, you decided we're ready, so let's go. Like, they don't even actually know what causes women to go into labor. Mm-hmm. They don't know that for a fact. There's a couple theories. Some of them are based on, like, your your body no longer being able to... to support like your metabolism not being able to support the baby anymore okay that's one thing but when it's like the other one of the other theories is about the baby's lung Lung. development right that that once your baby's lungs are ready there's like a hormone excreted or something and it signals your body to go into labor well if you're just deciding externally to do that before your body's not ready your baby's not ready and you're just forcing something that's like, literally, if you just leave it alone, it will happen. And I think we have such a weird mentality about it. Um, and it's... I think the mentality that people forget is that they think that being induced is just starting labor. And it's not. No. What being induced does is it causes contractions, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the right kind of contractions. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually put your body into labor. It and that's starts not... this like crazy bodily reaction that isn't actually labor. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's not the same labor that your body would go into naturally, mm-hmm. which is why half the time interventions are needed on top of that because it's not natural labor. So you, you can have an induction and then your body's not actually in labor. So then they're like, well, it's They'll call it failure to progress, which is like, no, it's just not fucking ready yet. So then they have to do something to speed up the labor and then they're artificially doing that. And then that puts the baby in distress because it's not happening the way it's supposed to. Like there's this an, an impressive and amazing symbiosis between your baby and your body. The minute you start fucking with it, it just complicates things. It, it needs to be done on its own there are obviously circumstances where it's necessary to intervene like if you have no amniotic fluid 
yes, the baby needs to come out. If there's like a potential infection, the baby needs, there's lots of, but they're not the norm. And that's the problem is that they will induce anyone. And doctors shouldn't be offering that. They shouldn't be recommending it. Mm -hmm. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your baby. And it's not actually helping anything. It comes from impatience or a lack of understanding or appreciation of the process, I think. And then, yeah, and then it impacts the woman for further births because they don't have the birth experience of like, yeah, I fucking did it. I pushed the baby out. And then subsequently they think that they can't and then it just keeps going forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So. um... So, And the thing is, it doesn't even stop because that's why your family has this narrative that you're not going to be able to do it please go to a hospital because they weren't able to do it. And they're putting that on you. Yeah, I really, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that my mom had three, I mean, when you understand sort of the history of it, it makes sense. But my grandma had four C-sections. My mom had three and my sister had two out of three. With my grandma and my mom, they didn't do, if you had a C-section, then all of your kids were C-section. They never did. They didn't do V-backs back then. So that, tells you a bit of something my sister had to be back and then had another c-section after that um and really like she even says that her third labor she was just impatient her labor was she was in early labor for a really long time and she just got frustrated and was like get it out yeah it's so crazy to me that three generations of women and there's one natural birth in that Mm mm-hmm that doesn't make sense statistically. Your family is not that fucked up. Well, and that's... Right? The, that, like, I the chances that yeah. your family, out of how many... That's four plus three is seven, plus another three is... That's ten. Ten labors. Mm-hmm. Not every single one of those was emergencies. Well, no, but that's the point. I know. They, they perceived the first yeah. one out of three and the first one out of four as emergent. And because of that, it didn't matter. But even the if rest you take the first ones... I know. Like, the statistics don't add up there. I know. I mean, we know no, more now than we did then. And, and I think I think the problem is is this gap of, like, the knowledge that we have and the the, the common practice of, of obstetrics. And I think that just the general outlook on birth as a medical procedure when it's not. Like, my, my, my grandma keeps saying, I just wish... She keeps... She's, like, making this false equivalency because I've had a difficult pregnancy that my labor is going to be more complicated, and there's no indication of that whatsoever. All, like, actually everything that I've experienced indicates that the baby's doing super well (laughs) to my detriment. You know what I mean? So she keeps saying, oh, you just wish you would go into the hospital. It's safer. And I was like, Grandma, it's not safer. And they are really good at being able to tell if something's going wrong. Midwives have really good training, especially in Canada. They know if things are are going, progressing normally and and safely. And if they aren't, they can diagnose that and they can get me into a hospital. And that's the thing. This is like, I don't know. This was like such an epiphany when they told us this in our birth class, when we were in our birth class for you, that if you are at home, and you need to go into, you need something emergent, then it probably takes the same amount of time between the midwife calling the hospital and you getting there and getting into an OR as it would if you were already in the hospital. 
Because there's this like idea that, oh, I'm already in the hospital. There's just an OR open and waiting for me. Like, no, there fucking isn't. Like, it's the Grey's Anatomy thing where they're like, oh, she's bleeding. OR. And they just like rush you immediately. And yeah. Five minutes like, later, you're... In a real normal situation in a hospital, there's a... ORs are booked. Solid. And you have to bump somebody and you have to get... Make sure that there's a team ready and you have like... Preparations... They have to prep it. They have to clean it. They require time. So... The time that you're traveling to the hospital is the same as you waiting in the hospital for them to get that OR ready. I mean, if you're living somewhere rural, yeah, maybe that's different. Maybe if it takes you longer than like 20 minutes to get to the hospital. We're literally like... A two-minute ambulance ride. <laughs> It would take less time probably to walk there <laughs> than it would to like get in a gurney and get into a... You know what I mean? Like, we're very close. I don't want to go to that hospital. If I had to go to a hospital, that's not the one I would want to go to. I'd want to go across town to the other one. But that's the thing. It's like that realization was everything to me. I was like, of course, of course, you're not just like rushed into the OR that second. Um, Yeah. And they're not doing C-sections in the lobby of the. (laughs) No. You know, it's not like what was that? Yeah, it's a Grey's Anatomy where the guy like does an a c-section with like a clipboard or whatever the fuck mm. like that shit doesn't happen yeah anyway. yeah tv doesn't help <laughs> tv and movies don't help um but yeah i just i i really am excited to do this naturally and i keep saying to you and i know you know this and i know all of our care providers know this but i don't want any interventions that are not necessary yeah like if it's not about the health of me or my baby I don't want it done. I'm not going to get impatient. I might feel impatient, but I'm not going to do anything to make the baby come out before it's ready. I'm just going to wait it out because that's how it works. (laughs) You wait and then eventually your baby and your body are like, we're good. Let's go. And then it's less complicated if you just don't fuck with it. Yeah. When you don't absolutely have to. I feel like... There is so much pressure on you. It's actually, it's probably more about me. But I want you to be the first woman in three generations to be have a natural birth the first time. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing to me to just, like, break that fucking cycle. I'd definitely be the only one in my family to do it without, well, at home, completely naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But... I mean, after watching you do it, I'm like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. It was... I just feel a lot of pressure on your behalf, I guess. Yeah, you feel it. I don't feel it. I want it for you so badly because I'm like, I want to show them that it doesn't have to be this way. I want not necessarily just them, just like the world. Like, I want to break that cycle of these women Mm -hmm. whose labors were taken away from them. That these, like, this amazing experience that I had of, like, birthing my own baby and, like, pulling around on my body. Mm -hmm. That whole thing of... And then feeling like a fucking amazing warrior Mm -hmm. and still very very proud of myself and empowered you were amazing yeah you should have that feeling your mom should have that feeling like everyone should have deserves to have that feeling because it is something that's so unique to being a woman and it's Mm -hmm. so unique to to being a mom to being a mother Mm -hmm. to have that taken away from you when it's unnecessary like there's also so many things that intervening like can damage it's a very in- delicate thing. You're the like when the baby comes out, 
and you have that baby put on your chest right away, it triggers oxytocin. It triggers all of these things in your brain, in your chemical, in your chemical makeup that cause you to bond. Like my grandma literally didn't see her son for eight days. There's no way she was as bonded to him as she should have been because of the way her birth went, the way they did birth back then. And I mean, it, I think that whole generation was like the Valium moms, you know what I mean? These like housewives who were like robots and overly medicated because they were so like, I mean, there's probably lots of reasons for that. Not just the birth, <laughs> probably also like misogyny and culture and like lack of rights and um, lots of stuff. But I think that there's so many things that people don't appreciate about the process as natural that when you start interrupting it, it's like you're losing these like bits of magic that happen in this crazy process that is just how people have been coming into the world for, you know, thousands of years. Yeah. And the hubris of man to be like, oh, I know the way that's like better. It's like, you don't even understand what you're intervening on and that's the thing that really drives me nuts is like medicine forgets like you don't know what causes a woman to go into labor but you're going to try and recreate it why why to control it but there's literally no good reason i think the mentality behind it is just to like control women's bodies yeah well, we are probably just, like, preaching to the choir, right, everybody? You all agree with us 100%? No, Natural of course labor, not. Natural labor, natural labor. Of course not. I, I had a – so part of my, like, physio treatment is um, – it's through the women's hospital here, and they offer this, like, class. It's, like, an educational class for, pre, like, a prenatal physio class. And uh, one of the women in my class – it was – it's funny, too, because the, the physiotherapist works out of the hospital – and her perspective on birth is very medical still, I think, because she talks, the way she talks about home birth is sort of like this weird magical thing that some people do, but it's like so not the norm, which is not really that true, especially not in Vancouver or BC or Canada, I would say. Well, it's so hard to tell because we're like so entrenched in that culture mm-hmm. that I don't think we can actually say that. There is a lot of home births, but that's because we are like part of it. You know what I mean? Like one of our really good friends is a doula who primarily does home births and we interact with that sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. that culture. Same with like our, our midwives are very pro home birth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the point being that she was sort of like, you guys are all obviously having your babies here. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm not like, I'm, I'm registered there. That's like my backup plan. If something happens but no and she like she was telling me about like oh yeah like one of our students here she had like three home births and it was just like crazy she's like but you know if that's what you're comfortable with but you know I think a lot of people just like really want the comfort of the hospital I'm like hospitals are not comfortable I don't know why anybody thinks that's like and people that have like weird or maybe people that don't know about home birth or like are weird about it or feel like it's a weird choice. They always comment on, but the mess. I'm like, the mess? <laughs> the mess? Like, 
they, hey. think, they think that they're just like splooging yeah. amniotic fluid all over the house. <laughs> like, I don't. Lots of people who don't intend to have kids at home end up having kids at home, and like the mess. Like, have you had a newborn? There's a mess no matter what. But like, it's not like it's not like. I don't know. I don't know why people think it's such a messy endeavor. Like, yeah, fluid comes out, and so you have like a towel and a sheet under you. And then that gets laundered. Like, And it, every home birth kit comes with a shower curtain because you put that on your bed. If you're going to yeah. shower, if you're going to shower, mm-hmm. if you're going to give birth on your bed, you put that and then you put a, a sheet and then you wash the sheet. Like it's not, it's not complicated. And if you're smart, you have a doula and they're amazing and they like help with all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's part of their job is to like be the support person and like organize the space and the... Yeah, so the mess is, like, nothing. Yeah, I've been trying to, like, get my coworker to get a doula, but she's... She, I think she is on board with it, but I think, like, her husband maybe isn't. Mm-hmm. And I keep talking to her about it, being like, so have you thought about a doula? She's like, yeah, I'm just, like, kind of confused about what they do, and I've, like, explained it to her, and she's like, I feel like I really need that. And I'm like, so did you, like, contact any doula? She's like, no. And I'm like, it's too late now. You're not going to be able to book anybody and also like why are you humming and hawing about this like i feel like i made a really good point the i this this woman said in the class she said i'm she's from brazil and she was like in brazil like my family's back there literally everyone the norm is c-section you find out your due date you book a c-section so when she told her family she was having a baby they were like cool when's your c-section she was like i'm not gonna have one and they were like what they were like appalled and she said she actually wanted a home birth but her husband wasn't comfortable with it which i'm like what it's your body it's your experience that pisses me off because it's not and it comes from this fear-mongering thing like just in case we should be in a hospital just in case you just need well-trained care providers (laughs) That's the just-in-case. An OB and a hospital are always available if an emergency happens. And that's the part that drives me nuts, is that everyone, I think, that's probably the, like, dominant thinking. I think probably more people are going for, like, more natural, unmedicated births, but they still want to do it in a hospital, just in case. Like, just in case what? (laughs) (laughs) Just in case... You're having 18 babies and you didn't know, like, yeah, uh, it just irks me. The just in case, just in case, let's like just live our lives in like the exceptions and the fears of what could happen instead of just being fully informed about the actual facts and safety of what you're doing. Yeah, it's like driving your car, you know, okay, midwifery is like driving your car and wearing a seatbelt. Going to the hospital is like driving your car wearing a seatbelt and a helmet. And only going half the speed limit, just in case. (laughs) Just in case, you know. Well, Jackie's doing some weird stretches, so maybe it's uh, time to wrap things up. I know we talked to you about home birth for the 700th time. Do you know that we love home birth yet, <laughs> listeners? And I'm sure you're all asking yourselves, what happened with Angie's IUD? Well, let me tell you. Um, I've been spotting pretty consistently since it happened. And then I went for my six-week checkup. And when I walked into the office, the doctor literally had his iPhone 
like one inch from his face looking at it and i was like are you fucking kidding me right now this is so ridiculous this guy but he checked it out and it's all good and i stopped spotting for three days and now i started spotting again which is so annoying but it could go away it probably will yeah i also feel like maybe it's giving me some like anxiety stuff because i've been having like really weird nightmares and no that's because angie sleeps alone right now because i've been sleeping with sterling so that we can get her to stop waking up in the middle of the night and asking for boobs (sighs) but i've slept alone before and haven't had nightmares of this frequency this is like very unique you keep saying it's the room i think it is there's like it's haunted anyway let's go have some adult time before she wakes up again you know what it means it means tea and watching teen mom no i want to watch santa clarita diet i don't want to watch i want to watch teen mom there's new episodes all right fine okay um maybe the next episode will be jackie giving birth oh my god no we're gonna try the thing is i always am like do you want to record jackie's like no i can't i'm like okay so really if you have ire aim it at jackie Mm. No, be nice to me. My life is so hard right now. (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, We miss you. Thanks, Alex and Aaron, for the update. We hope that things are smooth for you. Please give us another one. I know I ignored and missed that other one, and I felt so bad about it, but uh, it doesn't mean that we don't want to hear from you and find out what's going on. And I want to hear about the military family. Yeah, Lauren, thank you for the question, and hopefully our response was helpful. Um, And also just have babies because... There needs to be more queers having babies because they make better babies than those breeders. Those white Republicans who voted for Trump. More queers. <laughs> more queer. More queer babies. <laughs> okay. Bye. Let's not do the podcast at all. <laughs> Your baby mama's podcast. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mama's Podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.